My daddy's gone on, my grandpa's gone on, my great-grandpa's gone on. But they still live. You know, the, the spray is still here. Well, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Tell me of a home far away. Hello and welcome everybody. You're listening to It Still Lives, the Foxfire podcast, where we take you on a journey through Southern Appalachian history, one story at a time. I'm your host, Kimmy Ahrens, and this, unbelievably, is our final episode of season three. Thank you guys so much for hanging in through this year and listening to everything. I also want to thank you all so much. We have reached over 50,000 downloads at this point. Um, It's hard to believe that, again, we're wrapping up year three of this podcast, and I'm just so excited to see what next year brings. As always, we're looking for great ideas as we plan out our next season. So if there's anything that you're dying to hear about, just send us over an email at itstilllives at foxfire.org. As we approach the end of the year, we also begin our giving season for the year. I just want to take a moment and, you know, extend my utmost gratitude for all of you for listening but also um, to ask you if you are able to consider including Foxfire in your charitable giving this year. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, and uh, we rely on generous donations from wonderful people such as yourselves to make our missions possible. Foxfire also supports the historical magazine program, which has been in continuous publication since 1967. And we are dedicated to providing local students with the opportunity to explore career and vocational opportunities um, outside the classroom. And we also (laughs) operate a 20 plus historic building museum and programming and all kinds of other wonderful things. Um, If Foxfire's mission aligns with your giving mission, then again, I just ask that you consider um, including us in your in your end of year giving. And to learn more about what Foxfire does, the best place to do that is at our website, and that's www.foxfire.org. You can check out all kinds of stuff that we've done over the past years um, and things that'll be coming up here in the future. Or give us a call. Talk to us about what we're doing and how it might, again, <laughs> fit with your mission for giving this year. Um, and our number is 706 7465828. And you can find all that information on our website. Okay, I'm going to leave that there. Thank you again, guys. Again, amazing. 50,000 downloads. Wow. Um, never really expected that to happen. I just kind of decided one day that, you know, this should be something that we do. And I'm, I'm very happy to see that it's been well received. So enough about me gushing. Anyway, <laughs> this month, we are taking a look at Christmas. Surprise, surprise. As most of you might know, Christianity was very dominant in this region for a long time. That's not to say that there weren't other religions present, but unfortunately, that's not something that's well documented in our archive. Foxfire 7 is actually all about different religions in the area, but I will say that most of them focus, uh, again, predominantly on Christian religions. The reason that we're focusing on Christmas is because we happen to have a book called A Foxfire Christmas, and every year I love turning to this book and looking at different traditions that defined the winter months for people. If you think about what winter would have been like in the mountains, you know, we have experienced significant climate change, so our winters are much more mild, but we also have other things that make it a little bit more comfortable. 
But if we're looking back towards the 19th and even, you know, well into the 20th century, most people in the mountains who lived in cabins were still relying on wood heat. So that meant that you had to chop wood to power your fire. And now, you know, we think about chopping wood and we're like, oh, it's not that bad. But for people who have to rely 100% on wood heat, it's just astonishing the amount of wood that you go through. And it really, it really can become critical if you can't find enough dry wood to fuel your fire. And the winter months would certainly be a lot longer. Your days are shorter. There's not as much to do. And this, you know, Christmas and the season around it, because of the weather, people are spending a lot of times indoors as families. They're sharing stories. They're working on different crafts that maybe they might not be able to do throughout the year. Um, so it does become an important time in the community and in, in, in the family. And so we're just going to take a look at some of the traditions that defined Christmas for people in the mountains during their childhoods, going all the way up through the Great Depression. But something else that comes up in a few of these conversations, the students ask their interviewees about a tradition known as Old Christmas. This is something that they respond that they know about, um, but none of them say that they celebrated Old Christmas. And it's what we would see as the, the distance between Christmas and um, January 6th or the Epiphany. And it's a holdover from a different calendar. So a long, long, long time ago, um, people followed in Europe a calendar known as the Julian calendar. And then in the late 1500s, one of the popes changed the calendar to better match the solar cycle. Um, and this was known as the Gregorian calendar. And it reduced the Julian calendar from 376 days to 365 days. But there were a lot of old Christians who didn't want to acknowledge this shift in the liturgical calendar. And so they continued to celebrate Christmas on January 6th. When a lot of these um, English and Ulster Scots settled in America, they carried this tradition with them. And so we see it specifically being celebrated in North Carolina and then these upper parts of Georgia. And so this was really kind of a, an age-old thing. And there's still places that recognize old Christmas. You know, there's certainly people who, who celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany as well. And so um, just wanted to give you a little bit of background on that. I am by no means a church scholar. So if you have more information on the celebration of old Christmas or the folklore around it in this this particular region, I would love to hear that. So please, again, reach out to us and share what you know. Um, I'd be happy to hear more about it. So without further ado, let me introduce you to some of our contacts. All these interviews were conducted as part of research for that book, A Foxfire Christmas. So you'll hear a lot of the students ask similar questions, but you'll, you'll be interested to see the different answers, I think. So first up, we have Huell and Margaret Bramlett, and then followed by that is LB and Ruth Gibbs, then Janie P. Taylor, is actually the daughter of Clyde English, and Clyde English is the interview that follows her. And then we wrap it up with Icy Rickman. You can follow along on our website with our transcript, or again, grab a copy of A Foxfire Christmas and see if you can find their stories in there. I hope you enjoy. At Christmas time, <laughs> what kind of gifts did we get? <laughs> we hang up our stockings and we get uh, oranges and candy and Jane gum and uh, firecracker. And we got little toy mules. What's the one thing that you remember the most 
getting for Christmas. Well, I was always glad to get clothes. Clothes? Yeah. Um, what giant, like for traditions, what you do every year? Tradition? Well, we'd have uh, parties and uh, we'd celebrate the holidays with, with picking the banjo and picking the guitar and having square dances in the communities. Uh, what kind of rest, what kind of food did you have? Like, what special, what do you remember eating every Christmas Eve? Or? Cakes and candies and cookies and fruits. For Christmas Apple dinner? And <laughs> oh, for Christmas dinner? Yeah. I don't remember. We had, we didn't have rice pork or turkey. Turkey. What kind of gifts did you get Christmas when you were a little girl? Well, I got a um, tea set and dolls. Candy and um, got a Bilo baby doll one time. A Bilo? Yeah, they call them Bilo babies. They like look like a real baby, but just the head was a uh, china. And they call them Bilo babies. And Daddy said, my Daddy told me that they wouldn't break, but they told him they wouldn't break. And my sister had hers, and he took took it and hit it head to begin something and it must have all this. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to break, he said. But it did. Mm, where did you get it? Well, Santa Claus brought it to me. <laughs> this is Scott Cannon, Chris Nix, and Lake Cocker interviewing Mr. and Mrs. Gibbs on September 21st. Okay, do you remember anything about Old Christmas? Uh, we never celebrated Old Christmas. We have known about it, but uh, uh, in the home where I grew up, and I think that was true for Ms. Gibbs too, we, we celebrated Christmas on the 25th of December, but we didn't observe Old Christmas. Okay, um, whenever you were <clears throat> little, what kind of gifts did you get? Well, at my home, there was never a great deal of money to spare for gifts at Christmas time. Uh, we didn't know anything about the uh, uh, luxury that we see in uh, Christmas gifts now. Uh, and uh, when I was a boy, if I got an orange and a little bit of uh, candy and uh, one, one gift, uh, that was Christmas, uh, I guess uh, a pocket knife was as acceptable as anything I ever got when I was a child. How about you? What kind of gifts did you get? Oh, ours were limited too. We were in a family of 13 children. That's where I grew up. And I can remember the year I got a big doll like that. It was the joy of my life. I probably had very small ones. But when I got a big one, that was something to be written home about. But we grew up in just about the same circumstances. The little things meant a lot to us, but we didn't have many things. What we had, we did appreciate and, uh, and thought that that was 
Well, I remember Great. that years ago when we lived at Tiger, and this was back in the 30s when, when most of us here in Raven County didn't have very much money to spare for gifts. We were uh, largely dependent in the Sunday schools where we tried to have something for every child in the Sunday school. We were dependent on the stronger, larger churches in Atlanta and Athens who would send us boxes of uh, uh, gifts with candy and uh, some articles of clothing and so forth. And we, we spent uh, hours and hours in uh, putting those gifts in the preparation for the, the Christmas tree. We would have a Christmas tree at each one of the churches. Yeah, direct them. Yes, we had to wrap them and put the names of the children on them. But I still remember that I made uh, gifts for some of our family of uh, a Chinese checkerboard. We still have the one that we oh, kept yes. here among us. You know what Chinese checkers are? Yeah. Well, I used uh, plywood and made a little frame around a, a piece of uh, plywood about so big, about 15 inches square and uh, laid it off in there and uh, I believe I painted the points of the star different colors and uh, used a brace and bit to bore holes in it and uh, we still have that checkerboard yes. after uh, about uh, well 50 some odd years. Did you get any gifts from Santa? Always. We just couldn't do without Santa Claus at our house and we enjoyed it and I don't think it took me many years to discover Santa Claus, but it was my joy to help be Santa Claus from then on. Okay, what's the typical Christmas morning with Santa Claus or Christmas Eve? What did y'all do for your kids at the Christmas Eve? How did y'all keep it from them? Well, I think this was routine for us. We tried to get the children to eat breakfast before they went to the Christmas tree in their stockings. Or did sometimes we let them get their stockings before the Christmas tree. We usually had a Christmas tree where there was much on it except decorations, but I'm sure we had something along as they were coming. Not very much, but something. But didn't we make them eat breakfast before the general opening of gifts? I doubt if they did that very much. I think they were too anxious. Uh, maybe they opened explored their stockings anyway. They'd hang up a stocking on by the fireplace so Santa Claus could come down. That is, if we had a fireplace. Okay, do you remember one special gift that you got? Well, let's see. I, I still remember a particular pocket knife I got when I was just a small boy. I remember when I broke one of the blades off uh, because I was uh, digging in some hard clay with it and I was so uh, I was so sorry I had broken it that I think I hid that pocket knife in my pocket for a good while before letting anybody else in the family find out I'd broken my Christmas knife. And I keep thinking of things as we talk. I guess it has become somewhat traditional with us that we have at least one poinsettia at Christmas. Yes. And do you know the story of the poinsettias? No. Well there was a, a very prominent man from South Carolina who was named Poinsett and uh, he was the ambassador to Mexico and uh, he didn't consider his work down there as an ambassador very much of a success. He came back uh, after his term of service and felt that more or less that he had been uh, a failure uh, but he brought back a, a flower with him uh, that uh, now is called the Poinsettia.
September 7th, and Allison Bethel, Shay Daniels, Julie Dickens, and Shelly Honeycutt were interviewing Janie P. Taylor. Uh, what kind of gifts did you receive at Christmas time in your early childhood? As a child of the Great Depression, I didn't receive extravagant gifts, but I always had Christmas presents. I was the fort I was fortunate that uh, there was always Christmas. How many children were in your family that they had to have presents for? All the grandchildren and everything. We were a close-knit family uh, under Tiger Mountain, and uh, there were seven grandchildren that were real close. Uh, who did you get your gifts from? I mean like sisters and brothers or? Well there was Claus? always Santa Claus. I don't have anybody here that still believes in Santa Claus. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> I had an experience about Santa Claus and, and the breaking of the myth for me so when you want to hear about that I can tell you. Um, were there any special traditions that you followed on Christmas Eve? Well, one thing that we always enjoyed was going to my grandmother's house. We like to spend Christmas Eve there. And I don't know that it was a mountain tradition, but we loved to have oyster stew on Christmas Eve. And we had oyster stew, and I well remember, even in the days of the Depression, we had the oyster crackers. You remember, y'all know the little oyster crackers. Um, there were some goodies that we really enjoyed. I brought some recipes. Ambrosia was a food, oranges and bananas and coconut. Now, I remember, you really didn't have the transportation systems you have now. You didn't have the supermarkets and bananas in the wintertime and oranges in the wintertime and the fresh grated coconut were um, delicacies. We didn't have them all the time. And so ambrosia was something that we looked forward to at, at Christmas was ambrosia. And so here's the recipe for ambrosia as I remember it. And another thing we always had was coconut cake. And, it was the kind in which you had layers of, uh, and uh, maybe four or five, six layers and the coconut filling. And it's the one that required days of baking, but I brought a modified one. This is the one that uses all the, uh, what do we say, uh, quick foods. You use the frozen coconut and the cake mix. If you want to use that as a variation, you could. And then we always enjoyed spiced cider, and here's one that we liked with spiced grape juice. These were some things that were real special. And another thing that we all loved was old-fashioned egg custard. Now, you'd say it's old-fashioned. I just called it egg custard. I have a recipe for that as I remember it. Um, did you make any kind of decorations or ornaments special for Christmas? Remember, we had radio. And I, it was in the 40s, about 46 to 47 <laughs> when we had our first TV. But I cannot remember not having a radio. Um, so there were times when you did strain popcorn, but it was more of a family recreation than a necessity. I can't remember decorating with it particularly, but a lot of families did. And you also made the rings of strips of paper when you cut them and you looped another one in. Y'all have all done that, that type of thing. There is some thinking among some of our older mountain folks, and you may run into it, that we don't celebrate Christmas at the proper time. That Christmas should have been celebrated, and according to various authorities, some scriptures and whatever. Uh, I believe I'm right, it should be January the 9th, uh, 6th, Jan or the 8th, 6th. And personally, I'd like to celebrate old Christmas. You get over the rush on the 25th and just enjoy it. But I, 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 to me, uh, we had an old lady in our community and we went through the Christmas rituals and everything and all the traditions, but she said Taylor we're celebrating it wrong. Law, please come to the office. She said Ronnie it should Taylor be old Marie Christmas, Law. January the 8th. And, uh, 
there's some areas which have uh, some minor celebration of it. They recognize it. Your grandmother has the house decorated? Yes, and this is when we used our native greenery, our, our uh, holly. And we always had special holly trees set up, uh, saved with all the berries. And uh, the holly and the berries and the mistletoe and a lot of times cedar. And then the Gaelic leaves were often found on the mountain, and the Gaelic were that which was green. Uh, how many of you ever found a Gaelic leaf up on the mountains? Um, they're not as not uh, near as common as it used to be, but they were a source of green. September the 14th, 1989, interviewing Clyde English, interview in class. What kind of gift did you receive? Oh. We always got one nice something, dolls and books, jewelry, and so on. And in our stockings, there was always a Brazil nut right in the toe of the stocking. And uh, then we had, we always had an orange and an apple and some candy and some other kind of nuts in that stocking. And the greatest delight was to pour it all out and see what all you got. And then you'd uh, kind of ration it out. You didn't eat it all Christmas Day. You just kept eating it. But that was the biggest thing in the world was to see what was in that stocking. I don't know how much it cost. I guess it was pretty expensive in those days. But there was always a Brazil nut there. And then. Oh, did you get any from Santa? Did what? Did you get any from Santa? Oh, yes. Santa Claus always. You just couldn't wait for Santa Claus to come. Christmas then was longer than 10 years are now. You just couldn't wait for Christmas come see what Santa would bring you. One time I got a quarter, and then quarters were a whole lot more than they are now. Today a quarter wouldn't mean anything to y'all. But we didn't get a lot of gifts, but we always got one that we treasured. What kind of traditions do you do you follow every year? Well, we still have a big Christmas dinner with the family all together if we possibly can. That's one big one. And uh, go visit kinfolks, and they come to see us. and. We always tried to have gifts, and we exchanged gifts. Back when uh, Miss Taylor and uh, my other children were little, we all gathered at my mama's and daddy's house. All, all of the married children did. We put down pallets, and kids slept on them. Then the next morning, we would exchange gifts after Santa Claus came. It was traditional to have sweet potatoes of some kind, and cornbread dressing to go with the turkey or fat hen, whichever you had, the turkey or fat hen, and giblet gravy, and um, hot biscuits, and butter, and various preserves, and jellies, you know, and pickles that you had on the table. And for dessert, you had that ambrosia and pies. It might, might have been a pumpkin pie, or an apple pie, or a mince pie, but a pie of some kind. Did you make any of your ornaments? Oh, yes. Uh -huh. We'd make those, um, uh, as I say, those laser chains. You know how you take uh, paper and strain popcorn and uh, make cutouts. You know, you can fold paper and make pretty paper cutouts to go on. Go ahead and um, we want to start start off by. Anything you can remember about Christmas a long time ago when you were growing up and stuff, if it was how it was different from today and all? 
I know one thing that was different. We'd have more big snows back then than we do now. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Is there any one snow that comes to your mind? To, I mean, particularly? Right at Christmas time, we'd have big snows. And, but now we don't have snows. Yes, like ma'am. We sure haven't. Like decorating a tree or whatever? Did y'all decorate a tree? We decorated with crepe paper and popcorn. That's all we had. Crepe paper? Huh. Well, how do you get the crepe paper to, I mean, what do you, do you use? Like fold it and stuff? No, we just get it and cut it in those strips. I'd say about, how long was that? About four, five inches mm -hmm. yes, long and just hang it up on the tree. Yes, ma'am. Huh. And would you string the popcorn and everything? Mm -hmm. Would, was it a big thing to get the tree? I mean, to get the tree, would all the family go? Yeah, and help? all the family go. I mean, you know, the children go get the tree. Yes, ma'am. Huh. Did y'all have a real big tree? Or? No, not too big. Yes, ma'am. Huh. About like two Yes, ma'am. When did y'all put up your tree? It was it uh, We put it up about two, three days before Christmas. And y'all celebrate on the 25th, mm -hmm. did you? Yeah, there's, they said, um, there's something about old Christmas they've been talking about. Yeah. It's, they celebrated it from the 25th until January the 6th. Oh, we never would take our tree down until after New Year's. Yes, ma'am. Huh. But did, did you ever know anybody that really celebrated Christmas on January the 6th? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On, a, on a good Christmas, like Christmas Day, I know now, kids, I mean, they get so many toys and clothes and everything. If it, I mean, on a good Christmas, what pretty much would y'all have as a present or whatever? Well, we get, uh, we didn't get too many toys. Yes, ma'am. But we get uh, candies and fruits and nuts and things like that. Like I say, my dad didn't make us that wagon. Yeah. Was it like mainly one toy and then the, the candy and stuff? Yeah. Did y'all have stockings and all that oh, too? Oh yeah, we yeah. stockings. Yeah, was that a pretty big treat yeah, there? Yeah, that's a big treat. And another thing Daddy used to make us was those sleds. I know you know what a sled is. Mm -hmm. Future. Huh. Hmm. Do you remember any old Christmas songs that you still remember that y'all used to sing back then that you don't need more? Yeah, we used to sing at school. At well, thank you for listening. I hope you all have a very happy, healthy, and warm holiday season, wherever and however you might be celebrating. And again, please consider including Foxfire in your end-of-year giving. Um, you can find more information about what we do and how your donation will make a difference at www.foxfire.org. We will be back in January with some fresh episodes for season four. Amazing. Um, can't wait. And I look forward to speaking with you all then. Y'all take care now. We'll talk to you next time. If you don't like that, you can throw it away. I like it. <laughs>